Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Now, the people on the recording won't be able to see this, but I'll be able to see it and we'll be able to see each other. Raise your hand if at least once in your adult life you have purchased or participated in the purchase of a lottery ticket. There you go. Uh, There's a teacher at school who runs a lottery club. We all give her $20 at the beginning of the month, and we trust her to go and buy lottery tickets. So in case you follow these things, Powerball, I'm sorry, Mega Millions got up to $160 million this week. Nobody won it. I don't know what the new number is, but I want you to think about this. Some facts before I talk about the $160 million. 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt in seven years. 70% of those big winners that we all think, wow, they won, 70% go bankrupt. So let's say you were to win the 160 million. Well, I don't know if you know this, but you only get to take 80 million of that home. And then the government knocks on your door. And they say, well, we, we would like to have some taxes on your $80 million. And after that, you would probably get about $48 million after taxes. I know it's very upsetting to only get $48 million. But you'll have to live with it. Now, you could put it in a statement saving. You could take your check from the government for the... Mega Millions have put $48 million in your statement savings account. Linda's making a face of me. She said, well, Linda, here's the good news. If you did that, it would be totally safe, and you would make $480,000 a year. Raise your hand if you could struggle by on $480,000. Struggle. I mean, it would be struggle. Okay. Now... You could take it to an investment guy, and he would tell you that conservatively, you could make 5%. 5% would be a conservative investment. You wouldn't risk too much of your capital. You ready for this? You could make $2.4 million a year. I know it's tough, but here we go again. Who could struggle by? I, I know it's rough. But that would only be $2 million a month or $500,000 a week. I know it's tough. Now, you could go to some people who will guarantee you 10%, which would be $4.8 million a year. Now, you're probably saying, Madison, why are you telling us about all of this interest rate for money that none of us will ever win? And the chances of you getting struck by lightning are are better than winning the lottery. I'd just like you to know. But here's where I'm headed. The Romans were one of the first to have an international bank, and you could go to your local Roman branch of the bank, put the money in, and get 6% interest. In the first century, they were giving 6% interest. Now, just for fun, 6% of our 48 million would be 2.88 million a year. So the servant that we want to start with is what I would call the foolish servant. He took his money and he dug a hole in the ground and he put it there. And he could have made 6% for his master. 
which is why he called him both foolish and slothful. He took his talent and he hid it away. He didn't even share a little tiny bit of his talent. He didn't even recognize that he had a talent. He just hid it away. And that's why the master says to him, couldn't you have even just invested it and gotten me my 6% interest? Now, one talent in Jesus' time was equivalent to 15 years of an average man's salary. Now, right now, the average man's salary in America, and we've talked about this before, is about 50000 a year. The average is really between 53 and 54 now, so we'll make it 50 for math purposes. That's about $750,000 is one talent. So far, so good? And in the Middle Ages, they're not exactly sure when the word talent stopped meaning a large amount of money and meaning all those things we talked about in the children's sermon. The building, the designing, the eventing, the singing, the dancing, all of that. So that when we think of talents, we don't think of an investment being made. We think of a gift being given. Right? Sometimes when I'll sing at a church, somebody will come up and go, what a gift you have. And, and I'll admit, it is a gift. However, Kara will acknowledge with me that the gift requires practice and requires effort. And I have spent my entire life working on sharing the gift and making the gift better. I also want to be clear that the talents are not the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians. Those gifts are wisdom and knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are spiritual gifts for edifying the body, but these are the unique gifts that God gives to you to build the body. Probably one of the saddest things when I was the Echelon Mall minister was visiting a church that I would call a Sunday-only church. They really only opened their doors on Sunday. They had Sunday school, perhaps they had worship, and if anything happened during the week, it was to get ready for Sunday, like choir rehearsal on Thursday night. What was exciting to me was the churches that had their door open almost 24-7. And I modeled my ministry at the mall on that idea. Now, Monday was our cleaning day, and we actually considered that a ministry. We were the first stop, the Echelon Mall Ministry was the first stop for kids from Bancroft that were going into the workplace. And they, they would send us a kid with a supervisor from Bancroft and they would clean the mall ministry with supervision. And then they would move from us to an, an Acme or a ShopRite or something. But we were their first foray into the real world and they would have to get their bus ticket and get to the mall ministry on their own. Now, to be fair, their advisor was usually right behind them in a car making sure they got there. But we were that first step, and we considered that a ministry. Then starting on Tuesday, we had a woodworking group. We had a man who taught other men how to woodwork, and before they started, they read from the Word of God, and then they spent a couple hours drinking coffee and woodworking and talking about the Lord. Tuesday afternoons, we had a stained glass class. There was a wonderful 
retired uh, truck driver whose hobby was stained glass. And he would come and they would start with Bible study and a word of prayer and learn how to do stained glass. And Tuesday night was OA and we had crafting groups and knitting groups. Now, this was all the way back in the early 90s when computers were a mystery to all of us. Had a guy come in and he did a, a, a program for my craft group. He was a handbell soloist. If you ever seen one of these guys, they put all the handbells out on the table. They have an accompaniment track, and they run around, and they play the handbells by themselves. He said, I have a heart to share one of my talents. And I said, who's going to come to learn to play handbells? He said, Madison, I do desktop publishing. And I bet that there's church secretaries and businesses that would benefit from that. We put out a call and people donated their old computers. And this guy, the handbell soloist, when he was in New Jersey, taught desktop publishing. We started with a word of prayer. We studied from the word of God. And then we learned desktop publishing. And we had something going on using the talents of people that were in the Echelon Mall ministry. This is the picture I, I think Jesus wants us to get. What talent do you bring? And, uh, well, it reminds me of a story. There was a poor village, and they didn't like to share. And their doors and windows were always locked, and they kept all of their food to themselves. One day, a hungry stranger came to town, and he knocked on the first door. The woman said, who are you? The hungry traveler said, I'm a traveler. Could you spare some food? And she said, there's hardly any food in this town, and I doubt you will find anything or anyone who will share. He knocked on the next door, and he picked up this large stone. And the lady said, what do you want? And he said, I know you're poor like me, but perhaps you would like some of my stone soup. You can't make soup out of a stone, she said. He said, I can, and I've done it before. May I come in? She said, sure. So they put a big pot of water on the, on the fireplace, and he dropped in the stone, and he started stirring with a wooden spoon, and it started to boil, and he, he tasted it, and he said, ooh, this is going to be the best stone soup ever. But you know what it really make it good would be? Some garlic and some butter and some salt and pepper. She said, well, I have those things. And they threw it into the pot, and the soup began to smell even better. And it wafted through the window, and the neighbor came over and said, what are you cooking? And the lady said, we're making stone soup. And the man said, you know what? Stone soup is really good if it's got some potatoes and carrots. And the neighbor said, I have potatoes and carrots, and threw them into the pot. The smell wafted through the town, and they added turnips and beans and chicken broth and actually some chicken. And the pot was overflowing with the stone soup. And there was enough to share with everyone in the town. And as they were all eating this delicious stone soup, they realized it didn't come from a stone. It came from them sharing everything they had. Jesus is asking us through this parable today, what do you have to put into the soup? Stained glass, woodworking, knitting, crafting. We even had a man who taught teenagers how to cartoon. You may have heard me talk about him before, Mr. Mincelli. He would come and he would 
teach them. And he said, I'm not going to teach you how to draw all those guys with the big muscles until you learn old school cartooning. And he made him draw Nancy and Sluggo and Snoopy and all of the, the Charlie Brown crew. There should be no empty space in the church. We should be ministering with our talents in every way possible. There's a, a few takeaways if you're taking notes I want you to get here. I want you to hear this. Number one, everyone is given a talent. Let me say that again. Everyone is given a talent. And that's your opportunity. Number two is everyone can choose to use or not use their talent. And that's responsibility. Opportunity leads to responsibility. And the third thing, and we at the church don't like to talk about this too much, the third thing is this. Everyone can expect an accounting. The master is coming back. And he's going to ask you, each one of you individually, what did you do with the gift I gave you? What did you do with your talent? And that's accountability. Opportunity leads to responsibility. And finally, we will be accountable. Howard Olds, a pastor, says this, your potential is your gift from God. What you do with your potential is your gift to God. Now, I want you to hear this. What happened to the guy that had 10 talents at the end? Well, he got two, another talent from the slothful servant. But one of the translations says that he was put in charge of 10 cities. His reward was more work. I want you to hear that. You don't get to rest on your laurels. We're all looking forward to retiring one day. Some of us have. Some of us are looking forward to it. There's a reason my password at work is four years to go. Because last year it was five years to go. And tomorrow, next year it'll be three years to go. I'm looking forward to relaxing from that every day. But I'm not looking forward to relaxing from ministry. Now, I want you to hear this. The master did not expect an equal return. Remember, he gave each person talents according to their ability. He never expected the person with one talent to come back with five extra. He only expects you to use what you have for the kingdom. And we've heard in Corinthians and in Matthew that we plant the seed, but God causes the seed to grow and causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine. Your job is the planting of seeds. His job is the growing of seeds. Everyone re received an equal talent, but was not expected for the equal return. The master has not yet returned. This is the fifth point I want you to hear. The master has not yet returned. There are still songs to be sung. There are pictures to be painted, tunes to be played, lessons to be taught and learned, stories to tell, and mountains to climb. Now, some of you might say, well, I've used my talent to support my family. I've used my talent to, to pay my bills and make a living. But I never really thought about using my talent for Christ. 
You might be saying, well, I'm too old or I'm too tired or how would it fit in? And this poem has always stuck with me. "'Twas battered and scarred, said the auctioneer, "'thought it was scarcely worth his while "'to waste much time on the old violin, "'but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me? "'A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two? Two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, "'going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody, pure and sweet, as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased. The auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice. And going and gone, said he. The people cheered and some of them cried. We do not understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply. The touch of the master's hand. And many a man with light out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice, but the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought. By the touch of the master's hand. I ask you today to take an inventory. What were you given? What talents, what skills, what passions, what experience? Did you squander it like those 70% of people who go bankrupt after they win the lottery? Were you safe and and you hid it away and, and only lived off the interest? Or have you served? Have you used your talent to build the body of Christ, to share the gospel with those in need? Now, if you've never felt the master's touch, you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, Pastor Wiki, myself, Lenny is the Glenny is the head of deacons. He would love, we would love to pray with you after the service. If you know that you have a talent and you've not yet used it for the kingdom, we would love to pray and talk to you about that today. And when the church is fully opened after COVID, wouldn't it be fun to have something going on 24-7, every day of the week, a ministry, an outreach for every age and every opportunity? In fact, I want you to think about this. Perhaps the pandemic is giving the church time to reassess. What are our essential workers for ministry? If you need to pursue your vision, your talent, we would also love to pray with you. Amen.